Welcome to the live stream on the Alaska Realtor YouTube channel. My name is Jamin Gurker, and my mission is to help you to build an intentional and significant legacy for yourself and your family by coaching you in real estate. And today I am joined by a lot of special guests. Um, these um, colleagues of mine are you know, realtors who work across the entire state of Alaska to um, service people who are moving to um, all different markets across the entire state. So you know, we're very lucky to have them on here tonight to talk about their stories what brought them here and then talk about their specific markets and what it's like living in those areas. As always with live streams, you know, these are only as good as the questions that we get. So if you do have questions about each one of the markets that we'll be exploring, do feel free to drop it into the comments section and we'll jump into it from there. Um, I do appreciate everyone being patient and, um, you know, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce everybody real quick here. So we have, Tracy Shackle, she is from Fairbanks, Valerie Bust. She is going to be coming in from um, Homer, Alaska. And then Robin Long, she services Juno. And then Katrina Benton, mm -hmm. um, she services the uh, entire island of Kodiak. And Jonathan Wheeler, he is on the road right now. For those of you who've been watching the, the weather up here, you know we've just been dumped on with snow. So it's kind of made a mess of everything the last couple of days. Um, so he's going to be jumping on in just a little bit because he has to, to get off the road. So he'll be joining us. But please welcome everybody. And, um, you know, Chasey, let's go ahead and start with you. Let's uh, what brought you to Fairbanks? Uh, it was the weather, of course, especially in the winter. Um, <laughs> no for being like inclement and forgiving. So. Right. So, um, no, I came up here for a summer bartending job, 24-hour daylight. Um, the river, the beautiful uh, community here in Fairbanks, and um, just stayed. So came up for the summer, typical story. You come up for the summer and you end up getting stuck because it's just absolutely beautiful and the people are wonderful and it's a little unique place and piece of world that, you know, isn't populated with the hustle and bustle of everywhere else, but we have all the amenities. So yeah, that's what made me come up here. And then right. I got into real estate and it's been 26 going on 27 years and still loving it. You know, I've never asked you before, what got you into real estate? So um, I actually out of high school was a, did mortgage loans. I was a receptionist and then started going piece by piece. And then when I got up here um, bartending, when I realized I was going to stay a little bit longer, I ended up uh, getting a job as a receptionist at a real estate company and worked my way up. And now I'm here broker in Fairbanks, Alaska. And the rest is history. Yep. <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah. So, so, so like the, the first winter you were in Fairbanks, is that about what you were expecting or, you know, was it uh, something that really took some getting used to? Well, it took some getting used to, um, you know, I noticed, um, Valerie, you have some nice light blue skies. We're completely dark here. Um, <laughs> that's what it looks like about noon. Um, so my first year there, I'm not going to lie. There might've been in a, I was in a corner rocking going, what am I doing? What am I doing? Um, but then I realized, you know, what I need to do is actually get out and be a part of Fairbanks. Um, so once that came to, you know, a premonition, I was just like, boom, this is it. This is the place I want to be. Um, it's small community, lots of things to do. Um, there's skiing, there's, you know, ax throwing. So we have all of the things that you have. It's just, you got to adjust to it. First winter was hard, but, um, once you get through that, you can get through anything. We've got to be a little odd to live here anyway. <laughs> you know what? I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, I'm sure that is definitely a, a big factor <laughs> up yes. in Fairbanks. 
it's it's a very specific hardy kind of people who live up there it is um, but it's fun you know i mean and it's a very huge um community um orientated uh family up here and let's see but and so culturally um, diversified because we do have four bases. So with the four bases, it's kind of neat because you do have culture from everywhere. So it's not just Fairbanks, Alaska. You know, you don't have to be Alaskan. So it's kind of neat. Right, right. Neat. So how do you go about like what is the the Fairbanks real estate market look like right now? So. I mean, I've, I've we kind of talked before. I was kind of looking at some of the numbers. They're just, you know, just all over the place, just based they, on the, the patchy data that I have available to me. So it's kind of like that anyways. Um, so, you know, we had that great COVID, um, the wave, you know, everybody was riding high. Um, we're going down a little. Um, we have um, our markets definitely slowed down. And it usually does in December, believe it or not. wonder why, because it's cold and dark. Um, people don't like to move unless they have to. But um, our market still is always moving all seasons, all the time, because of the fact that with the base and the different transfers. Um, so just depending on which base is moving and which group's coming and going. Um, so the market's always available. It slowed down, you know, quite a bit. We, you know, at our peak, we had like 543 pending. And right now we're at 230 pending. Um, so that's actually a huge, you know, from the highest of COVID to the lowest right now. Um, but that's not um, unusually low for an average market. So this is, we're going back to a pre-COVID market, which is great, you know, our, but our prices have gone up and stayed higher, you know, our average market price. Um, but you know, the inventory is a little bit lower cause it is winter time. That, uh, that does sound about right. So kind of talking about the winter time, cause I know this is kind of the thing most people like to ask about when they're, um, talking about Fairbanks. So how cold does it get up there? Um, so I've experienced myself negative 62 was my lowest. Ooh. I know. Um, but on average, I mean, I've got a turtleneck on. I do have a like a jacket, my jeans, and some winter boots. So, um, you know, I've been in Oregon. Um, Arizona's gotten cold. Like I've actually gone left here in the winter and gone down to southern, like California, even, and it's been colder because of the dampness. You know, so um, it's you know it's been chilly. This winter has been fantastic, though. We've only had one day that has gotten below zero. So. That uh, uh, seems kind of uncharacteristic, honestly. Like, <laughs> like just uh, just a couple of weeks ago, like I had some friends over. We were talking, and um, I went for a run a couple of um, you know a couple of days ahead of time, or a couple of days before. And you know, it was just you know like a regular kind of run. But I stepped out and ran like half a block. I could feel like the the cold in my throat, like drying it out. I was like, this this isn't normal. Like this is so much colder than. <laughs> <laughs> what I, what the temperature is and found out after the fact that, yeah, that it was actually like negative 20 that morning. So you guys actually have, you know, you guys have a lot of more moisture in your air In Fairbanks, we call it the dry cold. Um, and it really is a dry cold. So I can even come from Fairbanks and go to Anchorage and it's still, it still could be 20 degrees warmer in Anchorage, but it's still colder. It's a, it's a phenomenon that you kind of have to Feel for yourself, or see for feel for yourself, kind of like the auroras. You know, you have to see them for yourself. You don't, you can see the pictures, but it's nothing like in person. Exactly. 
So um, real quick, Tracy, we've got a question here in the comments section. So just interviewed with Silver Bay Seafood for the Kodiak plan, plan to buy a fourplex in Fairbanks when done. How is it for finding work in Fairbanks? We are hiring everywhere, kind of like everywhere else. Um, jobs are great. Um, we, for a seafood specifically, I'm not sure, but I do know that we have um, two seafood or we have three seafood area. Uh, Actually, you can at Fred Myers we have a seafood department, and then we actually do have a seafood um, place that you can go get, uh, like just a. It's not a box store, but a store. It's a mom and pa shop that we can go down and um, so we can ship down, you know, salmon and halibut, what have you, down to the lower forty-eight. Yep. So what depending on what type of work. Hmm? Yeah. What What are the, like the big industries down in or up in Fairbanks? Up in Fairbanks. So we have the mine. Um, we have Ken Ross. We have Alieska, we actually that still does things here for the pipeline because we have the pipeline that you know comes through Fairbanks. Um, so we have a lot of slope workers. Um, we have the hospital. Uh, the hospital is a big employer. The university is a big employer. Um, we have electricity companies. We have plants. We have a lot of civilian jobs on the bases, believe it or not. So they're it, all of it. I mean. Um, I say, call me, I can, and it, we're on like one degree of separation. We were talking about this earlier today. Fairbanks is only one degree of separation. So um, the great thing is, is if you're looking for something, um, you just need to know somebody, get, you know, get a job, get an interview and it's up to you. Right, right. I mean, it really sounds like one of those, those markets where having a good reputation and just networking goes a long way. It does. Yeah. Um, so I know we only got you for a little bit longer here. So let me go ahead and just get to a couple more questions. So coming from Mr. SC, how do Airbnbs do in Fairbanks? What will attract people in the area recreationally wise? Airbnbs are phenomenal up here because um, our hotels, as you kind of recently experienced, were $450 a night. Um, so that can kind of be expensive. We only have a few of them. So um, a lot of people are doing the Airbnbs. Um, there are some companies up here that run the Airbnbs for you, so you can actually buy them um, if you're not in town that um, take care of the rental departments and what have you for them. Um, and recreation-wise, we have Chena Hot Springs, which is a hot, natural hot springs that's about 55 miles um, out of Fairbanks. A lot of people like to go um, drive down there. We actually have um, recreational cabins you can use for a day or overnight. We have uh, cross-country skiing. We have downhill skiing. Um, we have two, three of them. One you have to require to get on base, um, but we also have two other um, downhill skiing areas. We have um, uh, Kramer Fields has the luminary um, light walk that you can do right now that goes through Kramer Fields, which is kind of neat. Lots of running. Um, you can do yoga, reindeer yoga. You can do, I mean, I don't know. There's so much to do up here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, I'm, I just, I'm doing bass blowing this next weekend. So, um, if you're into it, it's here, you just got to find it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Tracy, how much time, how much more time do we got here? I've probably got about 10 more minutes and then I got to go. Oh, perfect. Okay. Cause we've, uh, we got more questions. Okay. So, uh, let's see here coming in from, Mr. David Ertham, where in Alaska is the warmest place to live for the winter? So I'll, uh, uh, let's see. Not it. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's Fairbanks. Okay, does anybody I'll chime in on that one. Oh, I don't know. What is, what is Kodiak's weather? Is it pretty similar to Homer since we're on the coast? It stays yeah, we're warmer than Homer though, because we Are have you? that nice 
coming up from Hawaii. Okay. So it keeps us pretty warm. Most of the time we do have cold snaps, but we are windier than anywhere. Um, and we probably get more rain if that makes sense. But we're, we're a, um, subtropic rainforest. We're technically a rainforest there, but it's not like we, I went to Anchorage from Kodiak to Anchorage last week and it was painful out cold outside up there. <laughs> um, the mainland is definitely colder than uh, Kodiak, but I think Southeast is even warmer, isn't it? Like Juno yes. and yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's Juno, Sigpeg, Ketchikan. Yeah. That's, I think that's the warmest place would be, you know, just the most for the South, probably. Yeah. But like I mean, you, I've we get a lot of rain. I've always thought of like, yeah, there, there's the trade-off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Excellent. not, I don't, like, we yeah, don't I, have, I don't have a snow shovel, but it rains every day. <laughs> so. Yeah. There's I, that. I, yeah, I think probably, probably uh, Robin's neck of the woods over in, um, yeah, over in Juneau is probably going to be the warmest. Uh, all right, so another question coming in from SC real quick. Uh, what would you consider the biggest drawback for Fairbanks, specifically for a family moving to the area? You know, it's a different, it depends on where you're moving from. That's what I tell everybody. So if you're moving from Anchorage to Fairbanks, you're going to, you kind of know a little bit more about Alaska. Um, you do know that sometimes milk's going to cost a little bit more or eggs. We may not, you know, just shipping. We have some shipping issues. As far as the biggest drawback for family, um, I would just say it's winter. And it just, like I said, it's winter. It's the darkness of winter. Um, 24 hour dark. And it's not 24 hour darkness, but it is dark for a long time. Um, so it just depends. You know, if you guys like to play tennis 24 hours a day and outside, Fairbanks may not be the place for you, but, um, you know, we have indoor tennis. So it just kind of depends on the specifics of what your family's looking for. If you guys are completely, you know, can't stand being or like, I don't personally love winter sports. <laughs> like I'm not even a hockey fan of my whole family's hockey. Um, so my kids got into swimming and basketball, you know, you just figure out what works for you. So, um, I, you know, I don't, the biggest drawback, you know, I could maybe specifically for a family is if your family is lives outside, it's expensive to fly sometimes, especially if you have to fly your whole family. I would say that probably would go for all of us. Maybe right, not age, right. but definitely some of us down in Juneau and catch, catch a can and home or, you know, like getting the flights out. And if we have a snowstorm that, you know, you're delayed now or cut trying to come home. So that could be the biggest, that's my biggest drawback right now. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So actually, on that note, got another question coming in from Rolaine. And um, could you address power outages? Which city does best with that? And how fast is the power return? Just wondering because I work from home. Um, so in Fairbanks here, we recommend everybody get on generator. Um, that's something um, electricians almost like a lot of people, me, myself included. Um, I thought it was interesting at the office, at the bank, even our generator went out so that you do have those things. But um, with our internet, like if I have internet, um, my internet, my generator, if we're set, I can, you know, you become very resourceful and very, um, you know, I don't know, living up here, I think that's something that we all learn how to, you know, you learn, so you have a situation and then you just learn how to address it. 
And then once you address it, you just like this, you know, you overcome things. You become very resilient living here and resourceful. Yeah. How much does a, does a generator cost to install? Well, to install, like we're having, we just had one. It just kind of depends if you want an outside and inside, depending on how you want to set your home up. Are you running off the whole house? Are you running off, um, you know, do you want to have Netflix or do you want your food to stay warm, you know, cold in the fridge? And do you want your boiler to stay warm? And do you want hot water? So that kind of all just, it depends on the different electricians and the different generators you get and the different plug mounts that you want in. So yep. I've seen them installed, you know, as cheap as $800 and going up to, you know, $4,000. So just kind of depends on what you want and what kind of generator and all those things and the hookups. Right, right. Okay. What about the, uh, the rest of the order? <laughs> the rest of the order. How about everybody else? How much power outages do you guys get over in, in Juneau? Um, we get quite a few, usually winter time, um, like October through February. Um, but our, our electrical company is pretty quick about, they update the Facebook page. So as long as you've got your cell phone data, you can go see on Facebook, like where the outage is at and when they're anticipating and getting it back on. Um, you know, I've also lived in other parts of the world like Oklahoma. Um, and sometimes there's power outages for three or four days here in Oklahoma, or in Oklahoma. And um, in Juneau, it's like a couple hours, I think three, four hours, I think is the longest that we've ever gone without power. And I've lived in Juneau for 18 years. So. Outstanding. All right. What about, uh, what about Kodiak? How many, do you guys get power outages? No. Or is that pretty rare? Okay. Pretty rare. We're one of the few places in in the world that's um, all renewable. So we have all renewable electricity, so it doesn't cost a lot either. Um, we have really good storms and trees will take a line down or a transformer will blow or something that we I haven't I don't remember the power being out for more than an hour. Um, we just have a really good system there. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, if there is a power outage in Alaska, like, that's, that is a pretty high priority for them. They're going to jump on it. Yeah. Um, what we about We don't have homework? to worry about it. Oh, and in the summertime, we don't have to worry about it at all. We have 24 no, hour no. daylight. <laughs> no, it's, it's a joke during the summertime. <laughs> all right. What about Homer, Valerie? I mean, Homer, I would say, is the same as Robin. The power doesn't go out for any unknown reason i mean if somebody hits a pole or something and then it's just a matter of a couple of hours and it's back on my husband is actually a lineman for our power company down here so i just oh, got it out the door, tell him to to work. that's why yours never goes out yeah. <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> but i will say homer does have the highest um rate in all of the the united states so we have quite the hefty bill each month Oh. Yeah. Yep, yeah. absolutely. So, Tracy, I'm pretty sure you're uh, probably needing to step off here. I quick am. Here. Okay, so I, I do appreciate your time, ma'am. Thank you. And um, I will, yeah, sorry, it's just holiday party. In fact, I'm headed to the Interior Builders Association to find out what we're doing for building this year. So I'm kind of excited. Oh, that's going to make bring a really that up. I'll let you guys know as soon as I find out. Yeah, it's going to make a really fun video. Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. Thanks, guys. Have a good Thank night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Have a good night.
All right. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears. Obviously, we'll continue taking questions here, but um, Robin actually just went through surgery earlier today, so I'm pretty sure she's um, she's ready to ready to call this quick, <laughs> go to sleep pretty quick here. So, Robin, let's go and talk about about Juno real quick. Um, how long have you lived there, and what brought you to Juno? Uh, so similar story to Tracy, I am about, I guess, almost 19 years ago now, um, came up to Juno just for a summer for a visit, visiting family, and it was a week of like 70 degree weather, nothing but sun, beautiful mountains on one side, ocean on the other, no matter where you're at, and I fell in love with it. And then I moved, uh, I think I visited in, in May, and I moved in August, and then it rained for 19 years. So no. <laughs> um, was a total bait and switch. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, no, actually, um, we've had many beautiful summers uh, since I've lived there. But, it, you know, it's like Kodiak. We're in a temperate rainforest and um, it, it rains. But, it, you know, we, we aren't like we do get more sun like during the day than some other parts of the state because we are further south. Um, but it's there's it's beautiful. There's no more beautiful place in the world, maybe besides Homer. I like Homer a lot. It's beautiful. Pretty hard to be. <laughs> no offense. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Like, believe me. Okay. So that's that's awesome then. Um, and when did you get into get into real estate then? Like, is it something you is it something like you envisioned yourself doing? like for the longest time or is it something you kind of just ended up falling into i remember being in high school and driving by a real estate school and thinking real estate might be fun someday but i never really set out to start real estate or be in real estate um, but i've been in it for 12 years and um banking was kind of where i got my start and um i just wanted to do something that was a little bit more more freedom with my schedule um which is, you know, also a, a joke because I don't know that I've ever worked as much in my life. Um, but I love it. And I just, I like working with people. I like um, helping people with different chapters in their lives. As you know, we help people um, buy and sell for all sorts of reasons. And so, um, you know, we become friends, family, counselors, um, but it's just helping people make that next step and journey in their life. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, we're already getting a ton of um, ton of questions in the in the comments section. So okay, we're gonna just fast. do a rapid fire real quick here. Okay. So coming in from Mr. Pokey. So as to um, as to coming from Atlanta, what's the best area for me to move as move to as to changing climates? So I guess this one's a little bit for everybody. So I'm gonna make the pitch for South Central. Um, it's a little bit more, little bit more inclement. The uh, economy is pretty diverse over here. Um, you're gonna have, you know, more amenities, more conveniences, and you can, you know, certainly drive to all the other places with the more pristine scenery and everything. Um, you know, that's really what South Central Alaska has going for it. But you know, I'll let I'll let everyone else make their make their pitch for their areas. <laughs> I agree with you, Jamin. I think if we're looking for something comparable to Atlanta, it'd probably be, yeah, more interior with you, or not so interior, but South Central. Right. What about uh, what about Kodiak? What do you think, Katrina? 
Um, I think Kodiak's a lot different than Atlanta in that um, I don't think Atlanta gets probably about the same cold, but we don't ever get really hot like we get in Atlanta. And I think that culturally, it's a huge like culture shock for people when they come from more populated places. Um, so I think that Anchorage is a good place. Like if you're going to move to Alaska uh, and you're used to living in a city, that's probably somewhere where you're more comfortable. But if you're really like, I just want to get away from everything, um, Kodiak's great. You just have to get used to rain. And big bears. And bears. <laughs> Slight detail. All right, Valerie, what's, uh, why should they consider the, uh, consider Homer? I, I don't know. I think that coming from Atlanta, you're coming from a big city to start in Anchorage and kind of dip your toes in the water from Alaska. Um, the nice thing about Homer is we can drive to Anchorage, you know, it's just a four hour drive opposed to being landlocked. Um, but I feel like you would get a little cabin fever, especially in the wintertime from going from such a big city to such a, a small community. And in the summertime, Homer, I mean, the population's around 15,000. It's a lot busier. But then come winter, everybody leaves. They go down to where it's warm again, and it's kind of kind of a, a dead little town. Um, so I think if it were me, I would start with Anchorage just to get a feel for Alaska. And then you can go visit all the other places and pick which one would be the best fit. There you go. We've uh, we've got the answers all right here. Um, Jonathan, can you hear me, man? Or yeah, are I you? Guess, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we've got Jonathan Wheeler from Kenai. Thanks for joining us, sir. Um, the question is: uh, He's got someone coming in from Atlanta. What's the best area for me to move to as far as as far as just getting used to the changing climates? So, I mean, in Kenai, we, we're similar to Homer as far as, like, our temperatures. We're a, we're a few degrees cooler up here, being a little further north. We are still a coastal town, so we have the ocean right here along where we're at. Um, we do have a little bit warmer summers, I would say. Um, probably real similar winters, maybe a little bit cooler in the wintertime. Um, but we definitely get a lot less rain. This last summer was pretty, re pretty weird. We had... Uh, two solid months of sun and then three solid months of rain. So it was like, you didn't get that in between, but an average summer will probably half and half sun and rain with, uh, but it's all mixed up. It's not all at once. And then winter time, we do get quite a bit of snow down here. We have kind of our little microclimates. If you go a little bit uh, north on the peninsula, we definitely get a lot more snow as far as like going a little more south on the peninsula. But, uh, it's definitely a more mild side of Alaska. We have two small cities, um, Kenai and Saldana. If you're going, coming from Atlanta, you're going to be, they're definitely small cities. Um, we have your normal Walmart, Fred Meyers, uh, handful of good restaurants to go to, but definitely not as much going on as Anchorage as far as stuff to do that doesn't involve being outside. We have lots of outside activities, fishing in the summertime, um, skiing, hiking, uh, snowshoeing, snow, snow machining, snowmobiling, as you guys call down there. So there's lots of stuff to do outside, not so much like indoor activities. Outstanding. So guys, if you have um, Juno questions, um, do feel query to, to drop those in the comments section as quickly as possible. Um, Robin, I am going to see if we can get you out of here in like the next five to 10 minutes, <laughs> just because I'm sure you have to be exhausted. 
Um, let's go ahead and get to one quick, a couple quick Juno questions here. So number one, can you drive to Juno from Washington? Coming in from Morse Taylor. Uh, no, you can drive your car onto a ferry and then take a ferry for a day or a few days, depending if you drive the Alcan or want to get on in Washington, but you can get your car uh, to Juno. There's, there's many ways to do that. Okay. Outstanding. And got another one here from um, Pokey Arnold. Is Juno a small town? Um, yes, especially if you're, you're from Atlanta, I think. And so comparing us to Atlanta, we are significantly smaller. We are bigger uh, than Homer and, and um, Kodiak. Uh, we're about 35,000 people um, year round. Um, during tourism season, we do get a little bit bigger. Um, as we have people that come in for the summer to work tourism. But um, yes, it's a small town and it is, it is, we're locked in. So you can really only get in by boat or by plane. Um, uh, you, like I said, you can drive your car onto the ferry and travel by road that way. But otherwise, um, it is, yes, it's a small town. Outstanding. So we've got an uh, interesting question here coming in hot from Andrew Kasky. How to approach the idea of moving to Alaska to your girlfriend? So, um, you know, they're I'm called throw... diamonds. Big that's... fat diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's number one. A lot easier, I think, to convince a wife than a girlfriend. <laughs> number one. Um, I'm going to take a stab at this too. Um, if you're trying to just do the slow indoctrination way, um, you might just slowly start posting pictures up there in a really subtle way and uh, see if you can slowly start just luring them in that way. Um, that's uh, that's one tactic strategy that's worked pretty well, but I don't know. What are the rest of you think? I think I would plan an awesome Alaskan vacation first and take her to do everything that there's to do, all the highlights of Alaska um, and impress her that way. And then hopefully you can convince her, but I don't think I would just move to Alaska without her ever visiting first. Let her see that it's a, it's a great place to, to have a lot of fun. This is true. Exactly. You got to kind of overcome all the Alaska stereotypes. I'd bring her on a vacation in the summer. That's yes, yes. <laughs> summertime. That's uh, that's a really good point. All right, Mr. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, what do you think? What is the best way to approach um, the idea of, of uh, convincing your girlfriend to move to Alaska? Um. I think the other answer kind of broke up a little bit there, but it sounded like plan a good vacation. And that's what I would do. Come up for a couple of weeks, travel around the peninsula, get, get a good feel for it. And then, uh, see if you can convince her that way, figure out what, what does she like to do? If she likes to go outside, does she like, I mean, I, I find like my wife, my wife loves fishing. So as soon as you get her on the river, she's, she's, she loves it here. Um, but bring her up for vacation and then see how that goes. And, um, we get a lot of walk-ins in our office. People come up for the week and they just want to, they want to move here. So they, uh, we start the home buying process while they're here and they go back to where they're from and then, uh, communicate remotely and it works really well. So, I mean, people get hooked here real quick. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. So Robin, 
I am pretty sure you are ready to go to bed here. So, um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and <laughs> just call it a night unless you um, have any final thoughts or anything you'd like to really like to talk about. But. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. And I hope you all have a wonderful night and um, look forward to doing this again in the near future. Outstanding. Well, thank you, ma'am. And you get better soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye, everyone. All right. Bye. See ya. All right. Let's, let's see. I'll go, let's go bottom up here. So uh, Katrina, let's go ahead and talk about uh, Kodiak, you have quite a history going back there with Kodiak. So why don't you go ahead and uh, kind of talk about that a little bit and, you know, maybe talk about what it's like living on Kodiak Island real quick. Okay. So I was born and raised in Kodiak. Um, I'm raising my kids in my grandparents' old house. So we bought that house, um, but raising them in the house that I was raised in, which is pretty cool. Um, I think I've tried to leave a couple times. I've spent quite some time up in Anchorage. That's where I started selling real estate. Um, but it always just draws me back there. Um, my kids were getting older and I wanted to them to have a different high school experience than going to school up in the city. And so we moved back to Kodiak like seven years ago. And um, I love it. I love it. Um, it's small. I don't have to worry about so many things that other people are worried about on a daily basis. Um, it's kind of just disconnected and in its own little bubble. And I really like that. Um, my family has lived there for a really long time. Um, my parents both graduated high school there. And um, it's really cool to live somewhere where I know everyone, like there's not strangers everywhere. Um, it's really nice. My family has been selling real estate since my grandpa sold real estate up here, my parents, and now I sell real estate up here. Um, I was trying to go to college and be a lawyer and um, they were insistent that no, I'm gonna sell real estate. So that's what I'm doing now. I think 18 years later, um, still selling real estate, but I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. And, but everyone, when they come, especially if they come from a populated place, it's, it's kind of shocking and it's a little bit jarring for people at first. I imagine cause well, um, I don't imagine like, I get that. Yes, that is true. I've, I've been to Kodiak a number of times yeah. and it's, I mean, you can feel it almost when you step off the plane. There's definitely, um, uh, definitely a much slower, slower pace of life. Suddenly, I mean, you don't expect it because you usually associate island time with Hawaii, but it definitely, it definitely applies to, to, uh, to Kodiak. Yes, it's very slow pace. There's no traffic though, you know. So there's just a lot of things we don't stress about there that people that live other places. I think just have that built into their life. You have things that are stressful by living in what I call it civilization, right? <laughs> so, so it's, I like it um, being down there, but whenever I visit um, Anchorage, it's just very overwhelming how much stuff you don't even realize is going on around you until it's gone and then you go back to it. Um, it's really interesting, but yeah, it's, it's jarring for people sometimes, you know, they're in the Coast Guard and they get transferred there and they don't know what to expect. 
and they show up and they're like, okay, so we have one uh, stoplight in our whole, the whole deal there, the whole town, one stoplight. We have one drive-through McDonald's and that's it for drive-through food. So it real quick, it's, it's very different. Like fresh produce, the shipping's, everything's expensive to ship there. It just real quick becomes a very different place. Um, but then it, once you're there, I think I have relationships with people um, that are, you know, my people that I've been friends with my entire life and we're doing, get to do life together and our kids are friends and hopefully their kids will be friends. And so there's that aspect of it that I really enjoy living there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really one of the sounds like one of the big appeals of living in Kodiak is just kind of having that really that community aspect that a lot of people really miss in a bigger city. Yes. Um, so let me go ahead and go to the the comment section real quick here. So coming in from Morris uh, Taylor, I guess they don't have riots in Kodiak. Um, I, I can't remember. I don't know. Maybe there are riots in Kodiak. I'm not aware of. I don't think they do. Okay. <laughs> No, none of that. They got big bad bruising bears, but that's really about it. <laughs> yeah, we have to we have to watch out for bears. Um, we have a we have a community thing on Facebook called um, Bear Aware that we have to check in the morning to see can the kids walk to the bus stop or do we have to drive them? Are there bears out this morning? Um, <laughs> Better not forget to check it. <laughs> just a different kind of problems though, and I'd rather deal with bears. <laughs> that's all I'm saying about that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I've yet to have a Kodiak bear mess up my 401k or something like that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, damn that bear. <laughs> All right. Going on to Caden here. Are solar panels worthwhile? I understand there's uh, no point during the winter months, but does the extra sunlight from summer make them worth it? Hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? It's getting popular here. Um, that summertime makes up for it and we still get in the peninsula. We still get, I mean, some daylight at night and or in the uh, daylight, daylight in the wintertime. And, uh, so you get a little bit, but this, a lot of times you have an issue with snow covering them up. So it totally blocks them off, but I've seen them on the side of houses where they're vertical and that seems to still work, but. Yep. Very good point. Uh, Valerie, do you guys see a whole lot of solar panels over in Homer? Um, they're starting to become more popular, but honestly, I don't think anybody's had them long enough to see if they truly pay off um, with the actual installation cost. Um, so I think it's going to take us a couple more years to see if, you know, if the, the ROI is actually worth it. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's a really good point. Um, by and large here in the, you know, Anchorage, Palmer, Wasilla, you really don't see it very much at all at Anchorage. You might see it a little bit in like Palmer, Wasilla, especially start getting further out into like Big Lake, Sutton, um, those smaller communities, a little more remote. You'll probably see a bit more out there, but yeah, I, I would need to see more numbers in front of me to know if it's actually a good trade-off, but you know, it's, yeah. it's out there, um, starting to become more popular, but it's definitely not like you move to Alaska and it's like, okay, well, you know, here's your, um, here's your house, here's your, um, list of hiking trails and here's your solar panel. It's, it's not really standard issue up here. Okay. 
So this one right here, um, I am going to go ahead and talk a little bit about this one. If you guys want to chime in, feel free to. So coming from Rolaine, can you address crime? In my research, I go from freaked out to, okay, it will be okay. Conflicting articles I've read, maybe uh, just the widespread articles written in different years. You know, when it comes to crime and um, Alaska, it gets a little difficult because any analysis that's done with proportions is very challenging to do accurately when you're doing Alaska, just because our sample and our population is so much smaller. The best thing I can say is do the research yourself. Go look at the crime map for the specific areas that you're wanting to move into. Um, see exactly what the crime looks like in those areas. Make sure you're comfortable with it. And then take it a step further, look at the crime map for the area that you are currently living in so you get a good, a good perspective comparison on what that would probably look like. So that's usually the answer I give to the people that are concerned about crime here in the area. Um, do you guys have any thoughts, ideas you'd like to add to that? The, the I see what he's saying in the maps. So we get a lot of like, I call it like almost like false um, numbers because it's per capita a lot of times. So like in a city of a, a million people, you have one break in that shows a very small portion, but we have such small towns and small cities. So you get one break in one homicide and it looks like we have huge numbers because of such a small population. That's where a city, you can have 10 of those and it still is. Yeah. And it, it's not to downplay it, but it's just saying, well, from a statistical analysis perspective, it's kind of tough to, um, it's kind of tough to do that proportion analysis anytime you know, you're using a sample size as small as Alaska, because I think there's only 688,000 total people who live in the state. So it's, um, yeah, it doesn't take very much to throw everything off. Okay. So. And, um, and Homer, I purchased my house in May of 2021. Um, and we have, we didn't get a house key when we purchased our house. The owner had lived, they were the original owners of the house. They lost the house key, had never lost, uh, locked the house before. And we have, we have never locked our house before. And I am born and raised in Homer. And it was the same way growing up. My parents never locked the doors to the house, um, which is so nice. I mean, you go to the grocery store today. I had a showing um, on Pioneer Avenue, which is the main um, road in town. That's the busiest. And I just left my car unlocked with everything in it and went in and did the showing for an hour and didn't have to think twice about it. So, um, I mean, I think, and, and what I tell people is Homer virtually has no crime. If there are break-ins, which are so few, um, rarely happen, it's typically has to do the, the person that's breaking in knows the person that they're breaking into and, um, it's not random crime. Yeah. That's uh, that's a really good point. All right. So Tall Stacker has been very patient here. So coming in from Tall Stacker, what part is best for semi-driving jobs? Um, hmm. I'm, I I'm got, I'm, <laughs> so I'm also a truck driver on the side. I, I did it for 10 years. Um, I just quit uh, trucking a year and a half, almost two years ago to go become a real estate agent. I took up a side gig with uh, actually training truck drivers um, how to do winch truck driving. We, winch trucks, basically, we use them 
for moving drilling rigs, a lot of rig work. Um, truck driving's all over the state, from the Prudhoe Bay on the slope down to Homer, everywhere else except for, uh, well, I guess two Kodiak, but on a barge, and then two Juno on a barge, but but uh, all over the state. And you got a mix of anything from hauling fuel tankers to uh, just grocery vans, like you see across the states. And then, uh, which my side of things is oil field work. We move drilling rigs all over the peninsula and uh, all the way to the slope. And it's, uh, I know the company that I help out is hurting for drivers. I think every company's hurting for drivers. Um, Hit me up if you're looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the what's the best way to get hired? Because I've I've seen a whole lot of these guys that are um, that are trying to to come in from out of state, and a lot of the the companies won't even look at them if they're coming in from out of state. So is there some extra step, some um, secret handshake that people need to know, or what's the the best way for someone out of state to to get a job uh, to get a job as a truck driver? I mean, familiar size, familiarize yourself with winter driving. That's going to be part of it. I mean, we have lots of winter, lots of winter driving. Um, familiar, familiarize yourself with like tire chains, how that stuff works. And then basically, really, the company that I work with has been around for 56 years now, I think. It's the, the longest standing company in the peninsula or on the Kenai area, at least, um, as far as truck drive. Actually, I think it's the longest running company in the Kenai area, period, even trucking or anybody. Um, I mean, it, we look at driving experience, driving time. How many years do you have? Um, yeah, if you have experience, we'll probably take you really at this point, people are getting pretty desperate for truck drivers. And, uh, I mean, of course you interview and you do a driving test with our company. And if, if you're not going to be a fit, if you don't have a good work attitude, and if you can't really drive smoothly, if you're a little erratic on the road, then we probably won't pick you up, but Otherwise, if you can drive and you can drive smooth and you got a good attitude, that's pretty much all you need. And if you're willing to learn other new stuff with uh, the specialized equipment we use. And if your uh, your road trip Pandora playlist is on point, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> that's the way to go. All right. Well. I'm not sure I can really I can really add anything to that. Um, Valerie, um, Katrina, is there anything you guys would add to that? Nope, I'm at a loss. Sorry. Okay. okay. <laughs> we have tugboat drivers that live in Kodiak and longshoremen, but we don't really have. I mean, well, I guess there's somebody has to drive those, but it's not a big thing in Kodiak. It's not a big job opportunity. It's like, is it like? 40 miles worth of road from one side to the other that's drivable. Yeah, and I live most of my life within a two-mile bubble. So perfect. All right. Well, uh, well, tall stacker. Um, let's go ahead and do this. If you want to go ahead and get us in get in contact about that, we've got the the little link down in the description section just saying contact. So go ahead and click on that and you know we'll get you connected with the right people. All right, moving on here real quick. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to answer this one. And uh, I'll let you guys go ahead and contribute anything that you'd like to. Is Alaska as dangerous as people have made it out to be? What would you consider the best area to raise and have an active family, especially with small children? All right, lots of stuff loaded in there for uh, potential fair housing violations. So I am going to say your best option, again, is to check out the crime map, 
really kind of visit these different areas, kind of get a, a sense for the vibe of the tribe for wherever it is that you're going. If you're looking for really this this really small town that's uh, that got kind of this close knit feel to it, you're going to be going to different areas and you're going to gravitate to certain areas more so than others. So, you know, I I personally feel perfectly fine and safe where I'm at. I am a single guy though, and considerations are slightly different. So, you know, that's that's just kind of coming from my perspective. Um, if any of you guys want to add anything to that, feel free to, but that's uh, that's kind of my take. In classified dangers, are we talking like Discovery Channel where it looks like everybody's going to crash and burn every time the TV comes on? Are we talking like crime dangerous? Because if you're talking about like the Discovery Channel, History Channel dangerous, I would probably just turn that off and disregard everything you just watched. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm assuming it's probably more crime related. If, yeah. Uh, they're talking about raising a family. Right. Um, I don't know. Kenai's pretty safe. There's lots and lots of families here, lots of kids. Uh, quite a few schools, a couple different high schools, a couple different elementary schools. A pretty family family place to raise in Kenai. Right. All right. Any thoughts, concerns, objections? I really liked growing up in Kodiak. Um, my kids like it there, I think. They don't complain. Um, they, uh, it's just nice to not have to worry about so much things that living in a big city, you have to worry about with kids. Um, it feels really safe. I mean, bad things do happen there from time to time, like just like anywhere. It's not a perfect place. It is dangerous as far as people getting lost or falling off of cliffs or, you know, I've, I've seen people get hurt pretty bad in the airplanes. We have a lot of small airplanes. I've seen some bad accidents, but so, I mean, as far as that, yeah, it is dangerous. There's stuff that happens there that you, people get hurt in ways. They definitely don't get hurt living, you know, in the States, but we don't have some of the, I mean, anywhere you go, there's going to be danger. There's a trade-off. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it looks like, um, yeah, Looks like he he clarified a little more. He said bears and wildlife. Okay. So, yeah, no. Katrina, I'm kind of looking at you for uh, <laughs> you for that one. You're the one the last, with Kodiaks on it. Every couple of years, somebody gets in a tangle with a bear, but it's not. <laughs> gets into I, a tangle. You make it sound like there's like a bar fight or something. <laughs> there's a little tangle. Um, the last guy was able to. He was running and he had had his headphones in. And he was running and the bear was on the trail, and um, it got him. But then he had mace, you know. So you don't go running without mace or a gun. I mean, you just think about these things. And, um, I do know people that get hurt outside. You know, we kayak, we hike, we people hunt. People get hurt. But I think, yeah, you don't want to go into it like. Oh, there's a hospital right down the road either. I think when you're really out in some of these more remote areas, you have to think about that. Like you're an hour away from a good hospital. So I think that's another part people might not think about. If you're that far out, you really have to be safety-minded, carry protection for yourself. Yeah. Um, and be careful where you go. Don't walk on the glacier. <laughs> Stay on the trail. <laughs> Don't go on the cliff. You know, it, it is we are on the edge of the wilderness. 
Yeah, and that's a really good point. You know, I'm making a video and then the next couple of days talking about like all my five stupidest things I've done in Alaska where like I've almost died as a result of it. Um, I don't think like wildlife really ever ranked up there. Like it's just stupid situations I get myself into like paddle boarding for 13 miles across a freezing lake. And then like your arms are so tired, like there's no way you're going to make it to the surface if you fall in. Like that's the kind of stupid stuff I do. Um, I haven't really run into like bears and wildlife as much. I wish I had something that epic. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's not. It's not. And, and people just go down to the river and take pictures of the bears and they don't do anything. I mean, they don't. I'm not saying like bears aren't. They're not. If you don't bother them, they generally don't bother you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just kind of talk like talking as a visitor to Kodiak, like I saw like five Kodiaks within like the first 24 hours when I was there. So yeah, you're, you're guns to see some bears. Yeah. Um, and they, they just roam the neighborhoods at this point. So just looking for a little <laughs> snack. <laughs> the peninsula is definitely not as bad. I would say we have more black bears than brown bears and you head towards Cooper landing on the river there where the salmon are, you'll definitely get a lot of brown bears, but in the more populated areas, we have black bears they're pretty skittish. Every once in a while, you hear about a bear mauling. It's it's pretty rare, though. Actually, the statistically, moose kill more people than bears do because people see them as a big fluffy animal. Yeah. They try to walk up and pet it, and that moose kicks the crap out of you. I actually, really funny story. I watched a uh, a moose kick a lady at the McDonald's drive-through. There was a little moose. It's winter time. They come out. The workers came out and tried to feed it a Big Mac. Yeah. And they got all the way up to the moose's nose. The moose sniffed it and then uh, reared back and just kicked the lady like one time. And she was totally fine. Everyone's okay. But it was like, this is this is why there's warning labels on things. Yeah, you don't uh, you don't really mess with moose. Like, okay, thinking about it, like the closest call I've had with wildlife was really like a week or so ago when I was out there running. It is pitch black. It's like 6 a.m., I've got the headlamp on. I've got like some podcast in. I'm kind of, you know, covered up, muffled a little bit. I like hear something off to my right. So I like look over and there's just this moose just booking it like right in front of me going. It's like 20, 30 feet away. I mean, it's an enormous animal, not something you want to just have coming at you in the middle of the dark. So, yeah, that was a little freaky, but I think by and large, just kind of be safe, be smart. You'll be okay. Um, Valerie, uh, what about, I don't know, you've got different wildlife down there. Uh, what about killer whales and all that stuff? I mean, actually, Homer has one of the highest brown bear populations. Um, really? Really? Yeah. They just don't come into the town. So they're um, up on the hill, like where I live. I live on Olson Mountain. Um, I mean, there's it's thick with brown bears. Um, I, I mean, in, in killer whales, we don't, we don't ever, we don't have ocean. The biggest issue is if falling into the water, it's really cold and that will get you. Um, but as far as animal crime, I mean, we, yeah, we have moose, uh, coming in all the time, but they're not, not anything to be afraid of. And I, I think it's safer to raise children in Alaska communities than down in the States where you have people crime rather than animals. Yep. Absolutely. Agreed. So I'm just going to read off a couple of the <laughs> couple of the statements here from the comments section. 
So when I was younger, I seen a guy here get a polar bear outside my grandmother's living room window. So I think that was a little further up north. Um, yeah, that is truly terrifying, though. Like, I'm usually I'm usually a little probably a little too blase about like wildlife polar bears. I don't play around with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One other comment here. Cocaine bear <laughs> movie will be a hit in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to go see that. Have you guys heard about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it is an actual movie. It was like a um, it was like some cocaine got lost on like a plane that was flying over this forest and like a bear got into it, like just ate all this cocaine and just lost his mind. So there are all these campers or there's just this bear high on cocaine running around and just getting into all sorts of mischief. So yeah, I think Is it's it going to be based positive. on a true story. It's a, it's a hundred percent true story that happened. <laughs> That is awesome. I've never heard about that. It's uh, it's going to be special. Like at first I, I didn't think it was real and it was just something that they threw out there. Like it's a fun poster, but I was like, Oh no, this is an actual movie. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh goodness. Okay. Uh, let's see. Coming from Morris. I can find a marmot, but not a bear. Wise man. All right. So let's see, coming from, uh, let's see, Kodiak, uh, Katrina, do you have any other thoughts um, about Kodiak for people who might be considering making a um, I would say just like, like she said, that make plan a vacation um, and come and visit and see if it's something that you could do. I a lot of people land there and they love it instantly and they say, Oh my goodness, this is wonderful. And a lot of people go there and they think they were going to love it and they don't. Um, but I think that definitely to visit there would be a big tip and to come in the summertime when we can actually go do stuff. Um, it's you have to really like outside stuff though. You have to really like outside stuff to live there, to enjoy living there. Um, I think if you don't enjoy outside activities and you don't enjoy going out and hiking, kayaking, skiing, <laughs> running, um, just there's so much to do outside fishing and um, all those kind of activities. If you like to go and you ha enjoy the nightlife and things like that, this it's probably not a good idea. It's a good place to visit. <laughs> I think that's one thing I would say to definitely look at. And then I would say, look at this schools. We have some really good schools there um, compared to a lot of places in the States anyways. Um, that's one of the reasons I decided to move back there was that we do have some of the best schools. Yep, absolutely. All right. So Valerie, let's talk about Homer. So what, uh, what got you to move out to Homer initially, what's kind of your, your background and what got you into real estate? And real quick, guys, um, I have to change the battery on my on my uh, camera here. So, Valerie, go ahead and just keep going, and I'm going to be switching that out. Okay. Uh, so I was actually born and raised in Homer. I grew up in Homer. I moved away after high school, lived in Anchorage for about eight years, and then relocated back to Homer with my husband a little over two years ago now. 
Um, so it's great to be back. We just had a daughter a couple of months ago, so excited to to raise our family in Homer. It's definitely the the community is is what brought us back. And my parents live here, so it's nice to be close to family as well. Um, as far as real estate goes, um, just a second. <laughs> Sorry, I have people just staring at me as I'm speaking. And <laughs> Um, I've been in the real estate sales for about three years now, um, but I grew up in a family of real estate. My parents uh, weren't realtors, but they uh, made their income investing in real estate. Uh, so from a child, I was involved in that and decided I was a paralegal for about four years and got a little burnt out of that. Um, I didn't really want to go to law school and pursue that any further. So um, decided to get my real estate license and started in Anchorage and then quickly moved down to Homer and bought a brokerage down here and I've been running that and it's been great. Did like you and Katrina like I know it's whistling history. I'm like, we have the same exact story. It says <laughs> we are not raising our kids in the house that I grew up in. My my folks did sell that house, but we did not buy it. <laughs> okay, fair oh, enough. Wow. Fair enough. That's, that, that's, that's, that's a crazy like parallel. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say. I know. Like, I mean, you're a lot as well. And yeah. Yeah. If we were yeah. making like a cast for a movie, like people would be like, nah, guys, these two characters are too similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to confuse them. It's <laughs> great. Outstanding. So, what is the, you know, what's it like living in Homer? Uh, I love it. I mean, you have to get used to life is a lot slower here. Um, we're not like Jonathan. We don't have a Walmart or a Fred Meyer. Um, the biggest, I mean, we have two grocery stores and that's been the biggest frustration for everybody down here is Homer's population has grown so much since 2020. And so when you go to the grocery store for what year, you don't get to like plan what you want for dinner. You have to go to the grocery store and see what's available. Um, and then that's what you're going to have for dinner. Um, but no, there's so much to do in Homer, especially if you're an outdoor person. I mean, we live right on the ocean, so there's so much boating and we're the halibut uh, fishing capital of the world. So there's great fishing, great salmon fishing, um, not so much hiking unless you have a boat and you can go across the bay. Um, but a lot of snow machining, uh, cross-country skiing. It's just a great outdoorsy place to live in a small, tight-knit community, but not too tight-knit where they, they're not accepting of people moving here by any means it's just a an overall good community right right okay so got a couple questions coming in here and this is really just kind of going to be for the whole order so coming in from mr justin mcmahan questions for the group we're big into outdoors hunting fishing and riding quads we want seclusion but also looking to be close to amenities what suggestions do y'all have Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm kind of feeling like Wasilla, Palmer, Kenai, but I, I don't know. What do you think? Is um, I would say like the Wasilla area. Yeah. We, I mean, as far as Homer, we don't have many four wheeling trails. We have a one big recreational lake that people go to, but I mean, riding four wheelers isn't really a thing. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a four wheeler out in um, out in Homer. Like, yeah, it's just a lot Not of people. Sure. Yeah, just a lot of people getting the really basic picture of like the swing under the under the harbor yeah. wharf or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
They, well, we have hiking a- and fishing and riding quads, that's everywhere in Kodiak. Mm-hmm. Um, true. Yeah, everyone does that here, but close to amenities. That's the part uh, you might be disappointed to find uh, when you come here and see what we actually have as far as stores and restaurants and things like that. We have a couple of nice restaurants. We have a very small Walmart and we have a Safeway. Um, and we have a handful of like local shops, but we don't have, we don't have a lot of things. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's Palmer, Wasello, or even Kenai. Kenai would, has a lot of every, all of that. We have a lot of fishing and we've got the Kenai River that runs basically right through the whole Um Salmon fishing, everyone comes here for the salmon fishing. We have somehow fishing right off the beach. Uh, lots of hunting. I mean, you can, anything from a spruce hen or a grouse up to a bear or a moose. I and mean, we have all of it between. Um, I grew up riding quads. I've been here my whole life. We've had, a, we got tons of trail systems here. I would say Wasilla has probably more deeper trail systems. Like they can go way off out into the mountains and they're long trails. We have a lot of like trails that connect between the towns um, here uh, and some other gas line and power line trails we ride. And then we still got the amenities. I mean, we're not like, we don't have a Costco or nothing like Anchorage has or, but we, we still, like I said earlier, we have uh, a couple Safeways, one Walmart, one Fred Meyer. Um, and then again, like the mom and pop type grocery stores that are uh, a little spread outside of the community, I would say, or outside of the city for uh, like, I live out of the city. So we have a grocery store closer to us. So we don't have to go all the way to Walmart. It's a uh, half the drive distance, I guess, but we definitely have a lot of that on your question there. Yeah, absolutely. And we have seclusion. I mean, you could be right in Kenai, in Soldotna, normal suburb type living, or you can get out and buy 40 acres and be totally away from everybody off grid. And that's, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's definitely a phrase that's that's going to trigger me. <laughs> I hear so many, so many people talking about like off grid and usually it's there's just such a big range on what people consider like off grid so it's hard to hard to know where anyone's coming from these days yeah you really got to define off grid are you like completely off grid or are you like no plumbing or like really what do you want off grid yeah yeah like um like uh, zach bramante with the bramante brothers like they run a lodge over near denali national park like they are really and truly off grid like they have to fly in there to like actually get there like that's off grid uh, i think most people when they hear off grid they're probably thinking a little more remote and a little more privacy i don't think they're really realizing the full weight of what off grid looks like but anyway um gonna get triggered here uh morris you have been very patient so i'm gonna answer this real quick can you take vitamin d for sunlight deficiency so First off, I'm going to say absolutely none of us are, you know, doctors, licensed anything on this. So, you know, our, yeah, it's going to be coming from, from our own perspective. Jonathan is obviously in the, in the yay column. (laughs) Um, I do have, you know, do take vitamin D myself during the, as we get closer to the winter solstice and, um, you know, that's definitely a must. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I take it every day. It's uh, my doctor told me when I had a just an annual checkup for my DOT physical. He said I was super low on vitamin D. He recommend ten thousand IU a day, and that's what I take. And I, I can't tell a difference, but 
Apparently it helps. <laughs> Nothing makes up for the sun. It, there's no substitute for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I have mean, a I take vitamin D as well, but I have a a light and I, I don't have it here with me, but I have it, it I sit in it twenty minutes a day like this and it does UV and so it's naturally so your brain's making the vitamin D. Her. The happy light. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it's like a sad light though, but I can't remember what the sad sad something. <laughs> Uh, I just hear that and think like standard American diet, but I know that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> All right, Valerie, do you guys really have a whole lot of use for like um, vitamin D and all that down in the Homer? Like, does it get? Yeah. Okay, I've always thought of like Homer is not really getting that dark, but I guess it's only. It's still like... Yeah, I mean, it gets light, what, like around 9 30, 10 right now, I think. I don't know. This time of year, it just. You just think it's dark all the time. And then the sun sets around 4.30 um, right now. But yeah, all of our doctors are the same way. They recommend taking vitamin D. I'm like Jonathan. I'm like, physically, I don't feel a difference, but maybe it helps. Gotcha. All right. We've got, uh, here we go, from S. Shepard, seasonal effect disorder. That's that's what SAD stands for. Okay. Answers coming from the comments section. Yeah, we don't want that. So, yeah. <laughs> prevent. Exactly. Exactly. So, Valerie, um, what kind of people usually, well, that might not be the best way to put it, people who move to Homer, what are they usually looking for? Um, I would say definitely the views. We get a lot of people who move here just for the summer. And then they leave in the, the winter. And the biggest thing I would say is they get to live on the ocean and have the view of the spit and the mountains. That's one of the, the biggest things. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, talking with you and Becky, I mean, I definitely understand the Airbnb market is kind of a big factor of the, of the real estate market there at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, kind of doing some research into it and, you know, talking with folks, um, is there signs of like that being cracked down on anytime soon in the Homer market or is. I don't see it anytime soon. I think it will happen here in the near future, but not within the next year by any means. Um, there's been a lot of people getting very vocal about our shorting or housing shortage in Homer. Um, and Airbnb does not affect it all that much, but we can get into that later. Uh, but because people are starting to be so vocal now, it has gone to their, our city council has started the conversation. Um, and I will say we had one meeting on it uh, and have not heard anything further. And that was a couple of months ago. So the conversation has started. So I believe I would say in the next two to five years, there will be some changes. I don't foresee them being anything extremely strict. Yeah, because I mean, Homer just seems so geared towards tourism. Ex yeah, that's, yep. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, no, I, I totally get that, but it kind of depends on the community that you're in. Um, okay, well, we'll uh, we'll circle back to that some other time. I'm sure yeah. that could be its own, that could be its own live stream, I'm yes. sure. Yeah. All right, Mr. Wheeler, let's talk about, you know, let's talk about uh, Kenai, what, what brought you there? Um, 
I guess maybe what kept you there, what got you into real estate? <laughs> so I was uh, born and raised right here in Kenai. Um, my parents moved here back in, my dad had been here since 69. My mom was right after that. So it's late sixties, early seventies. My family's been here. Um, it's, I just, I really like it here. I kind of call it home. There's just a lot to do as far as like my interest. I love to be outside. So that's, that's what I do. And I, I mean, I started out right out of high school, went into the oil field. Um, you can make a really good living doing that, but you work uh, pretty much 24 hours a day, nights, weekends, uh, all the time. It's, it's, you're all at the mercy of what the, uh, what the oil field is doing. And uh, I kind of got burned out of that and decided to uh, try real estate. I, I bought my first house. I sold it, bought my second house, and uh, I had a really, really good agent. So I thought maybe, and she seemed really happy all the time. So I was like, maybe I'll just try this out. And uh, <laughs> Agents uh, are always happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning that. <laughs> so uh, about two years into it now, I really enjoy it. Uh, the my agent really got me into it and got me trained up and helped me learn a lot. Uh, Keller Williams has, has a great coaching and training program. So I'm glad I went with Keller Williams when I did, but uh, that's kind of really my background in a nutshell. I just, uh, it was like a January. It was cold. It was wintertime. It was dark. I was tired of being outside work and I was like, I'm going to try something inside. And now I'm, I'm really glad I did. And... Yeah. Outstanding. So what is the, you know, what's the housing situation? What's the, the real estate market look like in Kenai at the moment? Oh, let's see. That's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Short answer. So we had, uh, we had the typical last two years with uh, prices going up, the housing shortage. Um, we did see a bit of a bounce back in the inventory. It has came back a little and then it went, now we're, we're seeing a bit of a, quite a fluctuation. We're, we're still not up there. We're still about half of what we should have for inventory. Um, the rates are fluctuating again. So we have seen a bit of a stall out, I would say. A lot of people have slowed down. Um, I've stayed pretty steady, fortunately. And uh, I mean, it's there's still stuff to be had. There's still, there's still lots of land out there. There's still plenty of uh, vacant land you can buy. As far as housing goes, single family homes, we are still, I would, I would still say we're short on the the average American home, the uh, the two fifty to three fifty range that most of my people, that my buyers and sellers are in, um, I'd say say buyers are in. We have some cash only fixer uppers in the one hundred range, and we have the five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar houses. But a lot of that in between is is not there yet. We haven't quite seen a full comeback on that one. Right, right. Outstanding. Okay, well, we have a backlog of questions at this point, and it's already been like an hour and 15 minutes. Time really does fly, fly by quickly here. So what we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to go ahead and work through the questions here in the comments section and um, close out. So I guess this is like your 10, 15 minute um, final call here. If you have questions, concerns about any of these areas here in Alaska, feel free to go ahead and drop those in the comments section and you know, we'll be happy to try to answer those as best we can. So we'll start from the top and work our way down. So number one, Mr. Morris. So are all the tech jobs in Anchorage? You know, I think it kind of depends if it's a tech job that's remote. I mean, obviously you can do that anywhere. 
Um, I don't think all the tech jobs are in Anchorage because, I mean, you certainly do have like large corporations, large companies that need people with technical expertise all over the state. So I'm going to say probably the lion's share in Anchorage, probably not all of them, though. I agree. That's you pretty much nailed it there. Like the hospital here in town has like one tech person. Um, the school district might have one or two tech people, but you I would say it's it's more so in Anchorage. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to number two. And uh, we've got like 10 of these, so we'll <laughs> so uh, from Mr. Mr. Pokey. So is it wise to move to Alaska alone? Yes. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's great here. Uh, I mean I've had clients that are just coming up by themselves or maybe they got a girlfriend that's thinking about coming up with them, but yeah, it happens. It's, I wouldn't say as long as you got a, as long as you can get a job and uh, I think you're all right. Yeah. I, I think as long as you have a plan. Yes. Um, have a plan. And, yeah. <laughs> have a plan. I think it's the most important part about moving up here is to have a really good plan. Yeah. I mean, I'd say have a plan and then also, have some kind of a plan for like your, how you're going to be networking and talking with people. And, um, cause I mean, if you're in a completely new environment and especially if you're moving in, you know, during the, the winter time when it's dark, I mean, you need to get plugged in some kind of community oh, yeah. Yeah. fast. Like I, I don't care what kind of community it is, um, within reason, obviously, but you know, get plugged into some kind of community. All right, moving on to the next one here, coming in from Mr. SC, best area for living in a remote, no neighbors within a few acres area in Alaska, but also close to some amenities. Uh, we also need a good airport nearby. I don't know. What do you guys think? Tina hits that box. I don't know about a Kodiak like with you guys, but I mean, we definitely checked that one. You, like I said earlier, you got everything from suburb to... 40 acres and up it's, it's totally it's 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 your adventure to build it's but we definitely have that in Kenai yeah we don't have that in Kodiak we are well from when I was growing up they had a lot of woods but um now it's all developed and so we've got a lot of wilderness and we've got small lots close together houses so if you're looking for a few acres, don't that this is you're not gonna be happy here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The thing about Kodiak too is it's it's rocky. I mean, you've got a lot of like real dramatic kind of um kind of terrain, which is awesome. You know, that's why people love it, but also yeah. it makes developing a little bit more yeah. a little more challenging. Yeah. Um, but I will say, man, when they put like some kind of luxury house out there, like Man, that is uh, that is the dream right there. A luxury house in Kodiak. <laughs> yeah. And I can vouch for Valerie. She's probably real similar to me here. They've got the in-town life in the little city of Homer. And then they can go out East End Road. And they've got tons of real estate back there and acreages and some farmland back there. So, I mean, I would compare Homer to the Kenai area to be very similar. Right, right. I mean, it's really going to come down to what stuff you want to do and what you want to be close to. You talk about needing to be close to an, uh, a good airport nearby. So if you're looking for like a big 
airport, then you're probably going to gravitate to South Central just because you've got the Ted Stevens airport there. Um, but it kind of depends on why you need to be close to an airport. If you need it just so you can get down to Seattle at, or wherever at the drop of a hat, then, you know, probably if you've got a little time, then pretty much the world's your oyster and you can pretty much get to anywhere you, you want to. I mean, I went and spent time in Barrow just a little bit ago and was able to go from there to Miami. Like, yeah, just went there to Miami and it wasn't that big of a deal. So <clears throat> depends where you're coming from, what you want to do it for. All right. So jumping in here real quick. Uh, let's see. This is just kind of an exchange back and forth, I guess, vaccine passports um, too. I think they were talking about if pass vaccine passports are required up here. I don't think they ever were, and they're certainly not now. Let's see. Coming in hot from Mr. Andrews Northwest, Homer, AK, Alaska is the best place to go clamming. Used to be. Used to be? Used to be. <laughs> so a uh, couple different things, and, and don't quote me on exactly this, but about 10 years ago, we had a really, really big storm and it, it almost wiped out the population of the clams because it rolled them all up out of the sand. And so they've really? been bouncing back from that as well. Um, and there's also, I believe they call it the red tide. So again, don't quote me on that, but there is a parasite that has gotten into the clams, I believe. But clamming has been closed, actually completely closed on this side of the inlet. Gosh, it's had to been at least 10 years ago, maybe, maybe 15. It's been a long time. Um, if you get on a little small bush plane, you can fly across the inlet and quite a few people do and they go clamming over there. But as far as this side of the inlet goes, zero clamming allowed. Man, that is, I didn't, yeah, I had no idea I was going on. So I, you guys just saw me learn something new. <laughs> and technically Homer it's so between Kenai where I'm at and Homer where Valerie's at, we have clam gulch and that's where everyone goes clamming at. It's the one beach everyone goes to. The tide goes out. Like we have huge, huge tides here. And so like, and the, and the beach is really flat. So when the tide goes out, I mean, it, it's like a mile out there, but the water comes back quick too, because it's not very much of a gray. It's pretty flat. So, and it's all sand. I mean, people flood down there. What I did it when I was a kid a lot. And then uh, since it's been closed, we haven't done it. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Um, do you guys do, really do any clamming over in Kodiak, Katrina? No, I remember as a kid going up to uh, summer camp in Kenai and then going clam digging and clam gulch. When I was a kid, we used to do that, but not in Kodiak. No. Gotcha. Gotcha. So another question from SC, are there any oil field jobs available near Wasilla? Um, I don't think oil field jobs because that's mostly going to be up on the on the north slope. Um, and that is quite a step away from like south central Alaska. Um, that's a lot closer to Fairbanks, but that's actually further. That's actually a long ways from Fairbanks as well, I think, and where the actual oil field is. But I don't know, Jonathan, you probably have more experience in that world. So um, yeah. we have a rather large oil field here on the Kenai Peninsula. We have everything. Um, we have we have natural gas and we have uh, crude oil drilling. Uh, I would say probably more natural gas on land. Uh, everything between Kenai and Homer, we have gas wells all over the place. There's lots of pads where they have multiple wells per pad. And then we go out towards Sterling, which is as you're driving from my house, you're going towards Anchorage about 
30 to 45 minutes and you run back uh, into there and there is a lot of crude oil drilling and they pipe it to the local, we have a local refinery here that refines it and ships it all over the state. Um, but we have some offshore platforms. I want to say there's 22 or 23 of them. Um, they just added one a few years ago. So, I mean, there, there's a big oil field here, nothing like the slope. The slope is massive compared to us, but there is, there's definitely a, a couple hundred jobs or more. And that's just a guess, a couple hundred, but there's, there's definitely, uh, definitely some oil field here. Yeah. That's what I did for 14 years before this. It's kind of your bread and butter. All right. So are there in, um, MTB trails common in Alaska? Also, are there any controvert, uh, converted ski runs during the summer months? Thanks for your time. Coming in from Reese. <clears throat> uh, MTB. Oh, oh, got it. <clears throat> you know, there definitely are here in the, the South Central area. Um, it's not really my cup of tea because I've had some friends who literally like <clears throat> loaned me like their, their high-end bike and thought I was just going to get hooked. Um, it did not work. <clears throat> um, I wasn't that big of a fan. I slammed in I don't know how many trees. Um, who knows? Maybe that'll be another near-death experience that I put in that video that I was talking about. But um, yes, it is definitely there. Um, you can get it in Hatcher's Pass. You can go to, um, let's see, there's... Cooper Cooper Langham. Landing. Um, we have some designated areas here actually in Saldana. We have a whole course uh, for mountain biking and skiing. I actually do that quite a bit in the summertime. Gotcha. So it's definitely there. Um, yeah, so it's it's there. This is kind of an outdoors sportsman's paradise. So moving on here to Mr. Morris again. Are there ever food shortages in Alaska? I've read they import 96% of their food. You know, I haven't really seen any food shortages in, in this area. You might get a little sparse maybe in some of the smaller communities in southeast, just right before the ferry gets in there. But usually, I'm not really seeing these food shortages. Similar, Kina. I mean, uh, there's hit and miss. I mean, like sometimes you can't get butter and you got to wait like a couple days when the shipment comes in or you can't get uh, uh, eggs. Uh Really, I mean, I don't think we've seen what the lower 48 has seen as far as food shortages go during the whole COVID thing. As a kid, no, we never had shortages. Only during that little stint of COVID did we have any sort of shortages. Yeah, absolutely. So just to read in a couple comments from the comment section real quick, coming in from Mr. Andrews. And by the way, Andrew is from um, Shishmarif. Um, so it is, uh, that's very remote that's actually like i think it's like 100 miles north of gnome so oh, wow. I yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, remember some villages are awesome and some are no good but 80 percent of alaska is beautiful i would agree with that great coming in from mr bill uh thank you guys for doing this stream lots of good information that's what we want to hear sir coming in from andrew again native corporations in anchorage will hook you up with jobs if you have experience so Yes, that's another great place to go try to find employment. I know a lot of you have reached out asking questions about that. And one more time, just coming in from SC, you all have been um, incredibly helpful. Thank you so much. Well, it has been our pleasure. Um, you know, we're we're definitely running up against our time here. I think we're we're probably going to be doing something like this again in the near future. Um, and um, you know, really just trying to show you all what it's like living in Alaska and kind of give you that that broad 30,000 foot view perspective, because 
I know not all of you are going to want to move to South Central Alaska, and I want to make sure you've got all your questions answered from as many parts of the state as we possibly can. If you want to get in contact with anyone that that shared tonight, whether you know that be uh, Jonathan, who is kind of our last man standing. <laughs> I was late, so I figured I better stay. <laughs> <laughs> you got the you got the graveyard shift. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jonathan, Katrina, um, you know Valerie. Uh, let's see, uh, Tracy, uh, Becky, Robin, like if you want to get in contact with any of these folks, just do so through the, um, um, through the website down below where it says to go ahead and get in contact with us and we'll make sure you get in, uh, get in touch with them. Other than that, thanks for watching and yeah, you know, we'll, uh, see you guys on the next live stream. Thank you.